want to walk as a child of the light. I want to follow Jesus. God set the stars to give light to the world. The star of my life is Jesus. In him there is no darkness at all. The night and the day are both alike. The Lamb is the light of the city of God. Shine in my heart, Lord Jesus. Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here at this church, and I'm delighted that you have decided to join us this Sunday for Advent worship. Uh, today is the third Sunday of Advent. It's traditionally called Gaudet Sunday. It's the Sunday in which we light the pink candle, pink and Gaudet meaning joy. It's a, a Sunday for us to think about the joy that Christ has for us, that God has for us, that the Holy Spirit has for us. So I hope you hear something joyful somewhat in our worship service today. There are a number of things that are going on in the life of our church that we'd like to make you aware of. The first being that we have uh, continued to make uh, connections. Uh, we continue to make connections with those who are part of our church community through uh, live Facebook videos and email devotionals and all that sort of good stuff. You can find out more about that on our church website. There is an online bulletin for the service. You can access it through one of the links in the video description. That bulletin has our, our hymn, scriptures, prayers, all that important information. <clears throat> also, we are going to be having two Christmas Eve services this year. The first will be happening at 3 o'clock on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a drive-in service in our parking lot at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. It'll be about 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, anyone who lives locally, you can come. Uh, we'll have someone help uh, park all the cars facing one direction. We'll have a scripture reading, prayer, a brief homily. It'll be a wonderful Christmas Eve service. And then at 7 o'clock in the evening, we'll be having our, our Christmas Eve service but it will be online. It will be happening here in the sanctuary. Now, between those two services, there will be different scriptures, prayers, uh, homilies. So they'll be unique from one another. So you can attend both, one in person, 
the other online. Uh, and I look forward to joining with you for uh, one of these, one of the most important worship services that we get to have every single year. As I mentioned before, this is the Sunday of joy, and I wanted to start off with a story that has some joy in it. A few weeks ago, uh, something notable happened in Florida. There's a gated community in Florida in which uh, some of the neighbors woke up one morning, and a house on their street had Christmas decorations up after Halloween, but before Thanksgiving. It's like the first week of November. They had decked out their whole house, thousands of lights. I mean, it was so bright, and the neighbors they hated it. They just couldn't stand it. So they, they wrote to the Neighborhood Association. They wanted to figure out how they could force this family to take down their lights because it was just so unseemly. They, they, someone was reporting in the newspaper for saying they thought that family had too much joy as if there's such a thing. So they decided to file a civil suit against this family for violating rules because, believe it or not, in this housing association, you're not allowed to put lights up until after Thanksgiving. So they, they, they filed a suit against them. They wanted to sue them uh, for reparations for damaging their different holiday spirits because their lights were up too early. And when the, the family was brought before a judge to find out why they decided to break this rule, they found out that the woman in the family was pregnant. She, was, uh, she is still pregnant, and she's due to have her baby the week of Christmas, and she wanted to get things up ahead of time in case she went into labor early because she wanted to be prepared for this season. I mean, what says what Advent and Christmas is more than someone putting up lights early and someone else hating it so much they sued them for it? It's just wild stuff. But Advent is a wild time filled with both joy and fear. Uh, And so with that, I'd like to encourage you to close your eyes for a moment, uh, center yourself in prayer as we prepare ourselves uh, to meet God in his word today and every day. And after we have a silent prayer, uh, we will have a family from our church lighting our Advent candles and offering us our Advent reading. So let's continue to prepare our hearts and minds for worship. All God's people say, Amen. Welcome to all of you on this third Sunday of Advent. Today we celebrate the gift of joy. I know we have experienced an unrelenting year, but we continue to celebrate the gift of joy of the Son of the living God that is going to be given to us as a gift. So today I welcome you as the Ronka family lights this third candle in Advent. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with your great might come come among us. And because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you in the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Lord, as we light the third Advent candle, we pray for the power to proclaim your love of justice in a world built on injustice, for the love that rectifies all wrongs, and for the patience to wait for the great wedding feast and the supper of the Lamb. Amen. 
upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, are we yet alive? We feel pain and sorrow and happiness and joy. We cry and wail and laugh and dance. Are these signs that we are alive, or are they hints of death while masquerading as signs of life? We find it hard to believe, Lord, that we come into life through being baptized into your son's death. Yet you have made us your baptized people, giving us life and life abundant life that makes our pain, our sorrow, our happiness, and our joy real. Life that makes our crying, our wailing, our laughing, and our dancing service to one another. Raise us then from our watery graves, shouting, Jesus Christ is Lord, so that the world may see your liveliness, your love, even in us. And now, Lord, each of us will pray silently to you or aloud, as we so choose, lifting up our own joys and our concerns to you this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the prophet Isaiah in the 61st chapter, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. Hear now God's holy word. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4 and 8 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland of instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They shall be called oaks of righteousness, the plant of the Lord, to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, 
For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. The Lord of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 202 in the United Methodist Hymnal, 202, People Look East. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. So join me now over at the drums as I play and we sing together, People Look East. The time is near of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able. Trim the hearth and set the table. People look east and sing today. Love the guest is on the way. Burrows be glad the earth is bare. One more seed is planted there. Give up your strength, the seed to nourish that in course. The flower may flourish. People look east and sing today. Love the roses on the way. Stars keep their watch when night is dim. One more light the bowl shall brim. Shining beyond the frosty weather, bright in sun and moon together. People look east and sing today, love the stars on the way. Angels announce with shouts of mirth, him who brings new life to earth. Set every peak and valley humming with the world, the Lord is coming. People look east and sing today, love the Lord is on the way. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Two weeks ago, on the first Sunday of Advent, my family and I, we, we loaded ourselves into the car uh, once it was dark, and we drove around in hope of seeing some early Christmas lights. We figured that there would only be a handful of houses with any indication of the holiday spirit or... Because this has been one of the craziest years in recent memory, that we would luck out with some early but incredible displays. So we drove and we drove and we saw all the staples, like the, the LED projection of green snowflakes frantically circling around on the siding of someone's house, uh, the, the dangling and fr frenetically flashing bulbs of these sort of ornaments that were hanging on the lowest limbs of trees in someone's front yard. We even saw a giant inflatable rainbow unicorn. How about that for spirit? But the best house, the, the Clark Griswold of houses, was only a block away. I had passed it on a run earlier in the week and knew that we would have to check it out for all of its eclectic and electric glory. For unlike all the other houses with similar color schemes or even thematic connections throughout the lawn, this house, it had everything. None of the light strands matched any of the others. 
There were six different Santa Clauses of every shape, size, and variety. There was an inflatable Snoopy who apparently was keeping watch over all the pre-lit reindeer by the sleigh. And to cap it all off, there was a blimp hovering in the middle of the lawn with penguins parachuting from the blimp, falling to the ground as if they were in the middle of a holiday invasion. And yet with all of its glory, I couldn't help but wonder what Isaiah or Luke or even John the Baptist would make of all of our holiday pageantry. Because chances are they would be horrified to see the way we've so trivialized the turning of the cosmos. Now, I, I don't mean to sound too harsh. I, too, I have lights up on the house. I have a Christmas tree standing in, in front of the big front window with far too many presents already wrapped and under the tree. But we need to know, all of us, that these things with all their safe and sanitized renderings, they might actually prevent us from seeing, hearing, knowing, and believing what the Lord came to do and what the Lord will come back to do. The audience for this Advent text from Isaiah are those forced to the margins of life, the last, the least, the lost, the little, the dead. They are, strangely enough, words of hope for people who feel no hope. They are words meant to comfort a people who feel no comfort in the world. Even all these centuries later, the proclamation is aimed toward the afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captives, the mourners. From those locked up in physical prisons to those who feel imprisoned by their current situations. Isaiah speaks to those who know not what tomorrow will bring. Now, it might even seem or feel bizarre, but this passage is also meant for people like you and me. Those who are willing to, to wake up and live stream a worship service on their phones or iPads or computers on a Sunday morning. Most of us, we, we go through life without giving too much thought to whatever it is we're waiting through. But worship? Worship blessedly offers us opportunities to reflect on the here and now, and we're challenged to imagine the not yet, the more of God's design. And we do this because who among us is truly content with what we have right now. I mean, right now, we're seeing more and more people kicked out of their homes and apartments, apartments because they simply can't put the money together necessary because the bottom third of our economy is, is falling apart. Right now, parents are preparing to wake up with their children on Christmas morning without a single present under their non-existent tree. Right now, we're being warned that gatherings of more than 10 people will most likely result in the most devastating of Januaries in history in which we will be burying more people than we can imagine. I mean, five of the top 10 deadliest days in American history have all happened in the last week alone. And in the midst of this, most of us, we flock to the sentimentalities that hopefully distract us from the reality of our truth. But when has that ever worked? Whether we like it or not, our lives are bombarded with calls of, of such frightening frequency to, to make the best with what you've got that we no longer really know what it means to hope, at least hope like Jesus wants us to hope. And thus speaks Isaiah, the Spirit of God is with me. I've been commanded to bring good news to a people drowning in bad news. To announce freedom to those who are trapped, to break down the walls of prisons. It's time for celebration. It's time for jubilee. It's time to comfort those who mourn. Give them garlands instead of ashes. They will be like tall trees for the Lord, steadfast and glorious. All the ruins shall be remade. The devastations of previous generations will be rectified. For I, the Lord, love justice. 
God, through Isaiah, speaks to those who live in a world wondering if it has anything more to offer. But listen, God has arrived. God shows up. God has has taken action in the world to bring about a reality that we could scarcely imagine on our own. And God's work in the world, it's it's confounding, it's bizarre, it's political. Prisoners are getting released. Reparations are being made to those who've been wrong. Justice really is coming for all. We call it jubilee, a time in which debts are forgiven, punishments are lifted, rectification reigns forever. God has and is turning the world upside down in such a way that the empty streets of our all-too-comfortable neighborhoods are being transfigured into festivals of joy. But why does God do this? Well, we were slaves in Egypt, but God showed up and intervened, delivered us from bondage into the promised land. Sure, we were content with what we had back there when we were slaves. At least in slavery, we got three meals a day and clean water to drink. It only cost us our firstborn children. But God said there was more in store for us than Egypt land. We were slaves to sin and death, but God showed up and intervened, delivered us from our miserable estate and into salvation. Sure, we were fine with the way things were, so much so that when Jesus started talking about the first being last and the last being first, we decided the best course of action was to nail him to a tree. But God said there was more in store for us than all of this. God is in the business of intervention, an intrusion into our lives that brings forth new life and and halts our relentless march toward dust. There have been many divine interventions. Exodus, Calvary, the upper room, the empty tomb. Without those interventions, there is no hope and there is no more. But we worship a God of impossible possibility who makes a way where there is no way, who delights in bringing something out of our nothing. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah, even in circumstances of your worst imaginings, captivity, imprisonment, mourning, there will always be more for you. Now, do we deserve this? No. Can we earn it? Of course not. In the end, the gospel isn't about being good. It's about being rescued. It's not about being safe. It's about being saved. Because there's nothing safe about God. Isaiah, he speaks a word beyond the present, beyond the status quo, where there's actual good news, liberty, garlands instead of ashes. And it's, it's confounding, but it's also dangerous. I mean, consider this vision. It is fundamentally an inversion of the way things are for the way things should be. A world without prisons, a world without borders, a world without hunger or suffering or mourning. And, and to some, that might sound more like chaos than paradise, but in the church, We call it apocalyptic. Bible talk about the more beyond the now. It's Isaiah's apocalyptic proclamation that taught Mary, the mother of God, to sing, He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. When we come to church, even online, and we're exposed to the the words of Isaiah and Mary and so many others, we are beckoned out beyond the world of predictability and into another world, a strange new world, a world of more, of risk, of grace. In short, we're given hope for things not yet seen. And that hope 
The kind of hope that Jesus has is a dangerous one for good reason. I mean, just look at what happened to Jesus when he started talking about hope. Advent for us is the time between time. In, we, in which we wait not just for the baby born in the manger, but also for the return of that baby born king who is the great I am. Because God is not done with this world. God is not done with us. After all, these, these words of eschatological rendering, they don't just describe the world, they recreate the world. It's a world made open in which the old foundations are destroyed in order for something new, something more to take their place. I mean, imagine, if you can, the lowliest of the low raised to the highest of heights. Imagine the brokenhearted bound up in love. Imagine the captives set free, the prisoners released. No more debts, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. For this, this is what God desires for us and for the world. And make no mistake about it, this is God's work. The history of humanity has shown over and over again that we are fundamentally incapable of rescuing ourselves from the forces that so weigh us down. But the great good news of Isaiah's declaration is that God will set everything right once and for all. God will bring down the mighty and raise up the last, least lost, little and dead. God will overthrow the pride of the smug and the arrogant. God will engulf the cosmos in a blaze of righteousness that will consume everything in us that needs to be burned away. God has more in store for us than all of this. And yet, we go forth from church or our couches, as the cases may be these days, and there are the same arguments around the dinner table, the same anxieties about our ever-shrinking bank accounts, the same blue Mondays will break for us in the morning. We are not the world of God's more, at least not yet. For we all still sit in the shadow of sin, of our choices that result in the world looking more like my kingdom done rather than God's will be done. We are, we are so captivated by the way things have been that we can scarcely imagine what they could be. We assume the world runs by debt and punishment all while God exists to show grace and mercy. In spite of the condition of our condition, Isaiah has given us the possibility to be aware of a new world with new hope and new possibilities and new dreams and a new hunger for something else, something, something more. The church gives us the vision to see how watered down our imaginations of the kingdom have been and gives us the thirst for the new wine that intoxicates us with grace. The church opens up for us the strange new world of the Bible where God exists not merely for us, but with us. The church, it envelops us into the body of Christ where we are bound to and with one another for the sake of the already and the not yet. In short, the church gives us the gospel, the good news. The very best worship services are those from which we go not to more of the same, but more of the name that is above all names, Jesus the Christ. For in him, we begin to see that the good news is actually good. A number of years ago, a, a rather famous theologian was in the middle of a lecture about the early church and what the, the earliest Christians had to go through when a, a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed student raised his hand and said, Professor, I don't understand. If the earliest Christians were suffering daily, if they were being martyred for their faith, then why did they stay committed to the cause? 
And the professor did not hesitate at all before answering, they kept the faith because the gospel is fun. They kept the faith because the gospel is an adventure. Advent is actually an adventure. It's a journey in which we are reminded that we are caught up in God's great story, that we, all of us, have the good fortune of being characters in God's epic tale, though we deserve it not one bit. Advent is an adventure because it's still unfolding. It's not over. Greater things are on the horizon in the kingdom of God, in which it's an adventure without end. There is always more to come. Thanks be to God. And so I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you are the God of time, the end of all our beginnings, and you have made time for us a gift. Therefore, Lord, remind us that we are your creatures with a beginning. We confess that we often forget we are your timeful creatures. We fear the forgetfulness of that, that our death beckons. We are driven frantically to work, thinking we can ensure we will not be forgotten, making our own place in time. How silly we must look to you. Help us then, Lord, to take joy and rest in your time, a time redeemed through your Son, that we can rest even, easy even in our dying, for you have given us all the time in the world, only that we would take pleasure in it. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And so now we respond to what God has said with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, but also our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give to the glory of God through the ministries of Cooksbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. Uh, The link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, we have a drop slot by our main office doors. Uh, Give. Give with glad and generous hearts that this church can continue to be a source of joy and hope for people in our immediate community and across the world uh, who know that God has more in store for us than all of this. Another way we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So I encourage you to now join me in affirming our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, And Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'd now like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, the God of Advent, help you to see, know, and believe that there is always more for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, for more of the adventures we have with the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Go in peace.
Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. 